Hi, I'm Barry Moffat, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Glory Days of Gold, the East Fife and Scottish football podcast. Joined by your usual dynamic duo, so I'm Lee Gillis. And I'm Michael McCall. And before we go any further, just want to give a big shout out and a big thanks to this episode's sponsor, John Scott Neal. Thank you so much for sponsoring this show and he's also stepped up to sponsor the next one as well with Davy Clark. So thanks for all your continued support, John. So, fun packed show as always with all your favourite usual sections. Um, a feature interview with former Fife player Barry Moffat, which I know a lot of the, the younger generation might have probably his first, their first hero. That was, he was certainly mine. And I think, Michael, I don't know about you, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. It, great chat. I, I would kind of like pull you up on the fact that you qualify for a younger generation. But that, I mean, that aside, it was a it was a really good interview, right? Okay, maybe younger generation was slightly optimistic. Um, any fans in their mid to uh, mid twenties to early thirties um, will maybe say that. I, don't let the bald head fool you. I have only done turned thirty one this year, so I'm, I'm not I'm not old, but I'm certainly not young, I suppose no. anymore. Whereas I but, am old. Yes, AF AF, and I can say that as a young person, you know. I prefer yes. That means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whichever one you prefer. So we've got um, some East Fife related news this week. So finally, and if we could dub in a hallelujah, the home kit has officially been released. It's been uh, um, modelled by our own player, which we I think we could say as the sponsor of his yep. home shirt, Danny Johnson. And I absolutely, yeah, yes, yeah, essentially we own you, Danny. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm. Um, I love this shirt. I absolutely love it. Um, although due to COVID, my top has been delayed and that's because they're having to stitch all the extra material to get means together. They didn't have my size when it came in the delivery. I think it's been a popular one due to COVID, but then I'm picking up my dad's and my daughter's on Saturday. So looking forward to seeing what that looks like in the flesh. Yeah, mine's just winging its way over here. And judging by how long the glory days are, gold t-shirt took to get through Canadian customs and a really really shitty postal service that we have here right now I should get it in about a month yeah you might get it for the start of the season at least so you could always remain hopeful but I don't know about you Mike I think it looks absolutely great kudos to the club you know when I seen the initial mock drawn of it I wasn't sure um, but I, I do I do really like it and I think that the touch with the thank you NHS and the sleeve is just absolutely everything which we embody as a club, family, community spirit, and yeah, the NHS have done a great job and it's great to see as a club that we're pointing that out. 
Yeah, I, I love the look of it. Uh, my wife's not too keen on it. I've told her I'm going to be wearing it everywhere that we go out and just like, oh, God. But I think it looks smart as anything. I loved our last tartan strip, and that was a bit garish and blue and red and all of this stuff. I think this just looks so smart. What do you think of the new gold version of the badge? Because it's had a few talking points online. Yeah, I was one of those. Um, I don't like change. That's a, a bit um, of my mantra. Like, you know, as, as long as I've been wearing these five kits, that it's been the, the, the crest that we have had previously with the Scotland flag. And, and I, I like the fact that it's got the Scotland flag in it. I think I'm probably in the minority of fans yeah, that do I do like as our well, club crest. I love it. I, I love the club crest. I like the I, I like that we've tried to do something different, making it black and gold. But I don't know. What's your thoughts? What, I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence. Right. Well, I am as well because right now I'm just on the side of the fence that I think it looks nice, but I need to see it with my own eyes to see what it actually looks like. It caught me by surprise, but our, our current crest, a lot of fans haven't liked it. I remember way back in the forum days, even before I moved over here, so we're going back like 15 years, folk were debating that we needed a new club crest. And this isn't our first club crest. We've obviously had ones before that we weren't allowed to use because it was to do with the, the arrow of Weems or whatever Weems that we weren't allowed to use that anymore. Basically, the, the man with the, on the pointy head and the, on the horse and stuff. I've liked our crest and I like that it has the Scottish flag on it. That seems to be the thing that a lot of people have hated is the Scottish flag. We're a Scottish club, it's identity. You wear that overseas, I wear it here, walk down the street, someone will see that and go, oh, that's a Scottish club. They might not know who East Fife is, but it would get you into a talking point. So I, I like that, but I'll reserve judgment until I see it with my own eyes. But right now, I don't mind it. I think it looks quite smart and it ties in with the, the look of it. No, definitely. And like you, I'll, I'll see it on Saturday and I'll make my mind up. Um, I've not, I'm, I'm going to take the splinters and the ash for this one. I'll, I'll wait until I see it. But yeah, I, I think that, again, great job to the club. And I'm looking forward to seeing the announcement for when the away kits will be able to be released too. And it looks like all the season tickets are winging their way out to us. Mm -hmm. So I, I pick up mine on Saturday and it'll be the first time in my, my life as supporting East Fife that I'll have a full season ticket because I've only ever had half season tickets in the past. So this is a, a, a new time for me, a new era. What a season so, to get it. Yeah, what a season to get it indeed. Um, so players back training. Um, looks like there was a, a double training sessions at the weekend. I think we've got a lot of potentially some um, post-lockdown timber from some of our players to be shed. But... I'm a little bit concerned that I, st I still think we're a little bit light up top. Um, I think that we're still needing a striker. And sorry, Darren, if you listen to this, I'm not. I'm not criticising your your squad selection, but you know, he said himself, he's, he's hoping that we could add something up front. Uh, maybe our, our, our esteemed guest might want to dust off his boots. He was desperate to come back in the past, but um, who knows? Um, we can also say about the letter, the newsletter about um, that Jim Stevenson's released this week and um, confirmed that there'll be no testing of players. Um, there's no confirmation of letting fans in. So we're going to go in full steam ahead to make sure that the stream, uh, the stream is up to scratch. 
Um, we're going to hopefully have a test event for the end of September to make sure they can cope with the increased numbers. So that'll be interesting to see what the club have got planned for that. Um, I'm delighted that we're not going to have to use um, do any testing, and it should hopefully mean that the 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 gift or the that we got from the the hearts rich guy that that donated some money to the, the lower league clubs. It means that maybe we could actually put that into the playing squad. Depending on if he has maybe put some conditions on it, because I guess you you don't want a club to have a a competitive advantage. So obviously Hearts are now in the in the championship. You don't want your rivals putting that money into the squad that can then compete against Hearts. So he might have a little caveat that it can't be used on players. It has to be maybe just used on the business side. I'm totally fine with that because then all you just do is move the budget about a little bit. So this way he's round it. So, I mean, that's fine. But I'm excited to see East 5 TV. When it first started and I watched some games here, there were some teething issues and some of the streams for me didn't work great. It might have been my internet. I don't know. But the last couple of seasons, it's been smooth as anything. Now, obviously... If there's no home fans in and you've got everyone watching this stream, the demand on the bandwidth and everything is going to be, like, massive. And I, I think fans will be in, but they, the club just have to be cautious and say, let's just plan on there being no fans, and then if fans do get in, all the better. I, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see how the test event goes. I, I'm hoping to get up more this year at 7am to watch the games. I didn't do it much last year. I, well, I've, I've watched the highlights. The 10, 15-minute highlights is enough to talk about it unless we're recording after the game, in which case I'm going to have to be up to watch it. But I've got used to getting up early now to watch my Faroe Islands football, so my body clock's got in the used to getting up early now. Well, you're saying there, obviously, about the increasing demand on the bandwidth and stuff, but I was having a think about this, obviously, no what we're going to talk about on the show, but... You've got to think how many of the fans that come to our game are families. So a dad and his kids would be one stream. Mm. You know, if, if, if I was going to um, be streaming it here, you know, me and my dad would be one stream. You, you've got to think that a lot of the, the, the families, it's, it's probably going to be, you know, reduced numbers due to, or you'll get the guys that will oh, come around to yours for a beer and we could watch it one stream. So there's... Definitely maybe not going to be as an increased demand. You know, say we've got four or 500 in, in the home end, plus whatever we'd get in the away end, there'll probably be a large chunk of that uh, people that all group together to watch it. So it might not be as bad on the, on the numbers as we would initially think. I guess a lot could depend, though, on away fans watching it because a game against, like, Falkirk or Partick, they've got a huge fan base... So if they all start to get on to, to try and watch the stream, that might be some issues there. You might get neutrals as well that just want to kind of tune into the odd game. It might be a top-of-the-table clash or something like that. But, I mean, it's all hypothetical just now. So, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out. But, I mean, we're, what, five, four, five weeks away from things kicking off, the Betfred Cup. So you've got all these things coming and the league getting underway. I'm excited. I just want to, to be watching the team. I've been filling my void. MLS is back here. The Canadian Premier League, they've had a, they've decided to have their season as a, a bubble tournament that's played over four weeks. So it's an intense, every couple of days, there's some games. 
and it's been absolutely fantastic. I've been loving it, and it's just football after football after football. So I'm really amped up now to watch football. I just want East Fife to to get started. Yeah, definitely. Um, and on the back of that, I think that there's um, a congratulations in order since you are wearing the the shirt today. So um, our first ever guest, I, I know, I know, I, I can't compliment the shirt. I've told you already. I'm Thornton Hibbs loyal in this house. I can't be complimenting Glen Northis, but huge well done to Paul McManus and finding his new club and, and playing for his local team in Glen I hope he does very, very well. Maybe not so much the team, but I hope that Paul goes and has a, a successful time there. He's a guy I've got time for in abundance. So all the best to you, Paul, and, and, and you know how much we we'll love you on the show. And we'll, we'll hopefully get you a catch-up with you midway through the season. You could talk us how you found the change in between the two. I know that you do listen most weeks, mate, so it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, my aim is to turn this into an East Fife and Glen Northis FC podcast down the line. Screw Thornton Hibbs. They're small time. Yeah, well, that's been a great interview, Mike. <laughs> uh, Enjoy your I, holiday. You... Well, I mean, you're going away next week. You're leaving the show in my hands. It's mostly just going to be Davy Clark's interview because that's going to fill hours. Anyone that was expecting that this week, we've decided to hold that back to next week because Lee's going off on holiday. He's having a jolly like ball and golly, except safely. So... He's leaving me with the rain, so I mean, we might end up just talking Glenrothes next week. Yeah, well, if, um, you know, his friends and alienate people, Michael, I don't think that many people will tune into that podcast. Probably, but probably not. Yes, um, I'll be going down to, to Centre Parks next week um, with my, I was going to say lovely wife, but with my wife and my mother-in-law and my daughter um, for my wife's 30th, so she's getting a bit old now, so I think oh. it's, it's like getting a, yeah. Yeah, my wife turned 40 last year, so I keep saying to her it's time for a new model. Yeah, I'm thinking so too. So, well, maybe not turn this into a dating podcast, Michael. I don't think that there's um, going to be many listeners chomping our ears off to, to take us out on a date. But yeah, Aye, if, you're sure this, Rachel, <laughs> if you're listening to this, Rachel, happy 30th. Um, yep. Happy and... birthday to Lee's lovely wife. I will say lovely <laughs> wife, even though Lee, for some reason, does not want to call you lovely. <laughs> I've seen the photos. You're really pretty. Yeah, and I just spoke to you a couple of times when we've been recording the podcast as well. Uh, but anyway, let's gentleman. get on to the good stuff <laughs> for a change. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to do Have Have You Heard Now, and I'm actually picking the song this week. Yes. Um, let us start off this one with, with an apology, Michael. So can we insert the, the sad song here? We've had a, an email this week, um, criticising my my music my music taste. Apparently there's too much X Factor like boy bands in their bedroom. I don't think that there's any remotely X Factor sounding acts in my my musical repertoire, but there you go. It, it does tend to be a little bit more sort of indie rock that I go for. But if that's your opinion, Mr. Walker, then so be it. So <laughs> I, I would say though that Phil does look like he could be in a boy band. Mm. I don't know. I think I've always said he looks like um, Bruno Mars. Now, next time that you see, I don't think that you'll ever have seen Bruno Mars and Phil Charletta in the same room. But by the way, um, on the back of that, Phil's obviously had his first um, single release last yes. Friday and he's doing really, really well. Top of the alternative charts. Um, and he was climbing up the, the UK charts as well. So huge well done to Phil. You're doing a, a cracking job, mate, and well done. Um but yeah, Michael's been left with the, the brains this week and we've got an East Five fans band. So take it away, Michael. Introduce them. 
Yeah, this week's uh, Have You Heard is a local Fife band and they feature East Fife supporter Neil Pud Brunton, long-time East Fife fan. He's also uh, one of the local undertakers and he's got an advertising hoarding at Bayview. The band is Crow Pony and it's a collaboration between Neil Brunton and fellow musician Colin Thompson. They've just released their debut EP, Mr. Christie's Monday. It's a four-track EP available on Amazon Music. You can get it on Spotify, all the usual places. And the track that I've picked for you for this episode it is one that I really, in particular, just love the sound. and I, I like the, the drum beat of it. The, the drums reminded me of something. I can't quite place what it is. I want to say Kate Bush is running up that hill, but I might be wrong with that. But anyway, this is a track called Wild Horses by Fife Band, Crow Pony. So, let us know what you think.
So that was Have You Heard um, by Crow Pony, an East Fife fans band. Really, really enjoyed that. I've had to eat some, some humble pie there because Michael's had to come up with a good choice this week. And, and kudos to our friend Glenn for, for sending that over. Apologies, it never got um, played in the previous weeks, but I have a list of songs that I'm going to play each week. And this one got interjected a little bit. So please um, accept my apologies, it wasn't played earlier. But now, it's time for our feature interview. So bringing to you a guy um, who was one of my first heroes at Bayview, was Pauline Anderson's favourite player at Bayview, um, and as well as a, a great guy to boot. So we're bringing to you this week our feature interview, Mr Barry Moffat. So we're absolutely delighted to be joined by one of my first East Five heroes played for us in 141 games, scored 43 goals in four and a half seasons at Bayview. Got to play in both stadiums, scored the first goal at New Bayview. Here he is, the man himself, Mr Barry Moffat. So how are you doing, Barry? I'm doing finally out. I'm doing really good. I'm really pleased to be on your show. Yeah, so this is one that the fans have asked for for a while. Um, I made a promise to a friend of mine, Scott Young, um, who I, I said I would say hello to you from him, and he says that he's still dis- uh, devastated all these years on that you went to Forfar. He says that he cried for a week, so um, I have to pass that message on for you. No. Um, well, that, uh, that, was, that was probably the worst mistake I've ever done, um, but given what East Fife were offering at the time, it was probably the best, uh, I had no choice but to really go. So I didn't want to go, but I had to go, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, we'll come into that certainly later on in the interview. So we'll crack right on. So for many of the fans of my generation, um, uh-huh. you were the sort, of, the sort of first East Fife hero. So what about yourself? If we take you back to being a young lad, who was your football hero growing up and what team did you support? Well, I'm a, the team I supported is obviously I'm a Rangers supporter. Um, Marco, I'm a Rangers supporter. Um, growing up... Um, I mean, uh, there was, uh, as a striker, I looked up to people like Ali McCoy. Um, obviously, you've got your Paul Gascoigne's, Brian Loudrops. I mean, there was a lot of really good guys going about then. Um, but I would say Ali McCoy, for me, was probably somebody I would look up to or try to aspire to be. Had <laughs> they been good? Um, <laughs> when I was growing up, that was kind of my hero. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely, even not as a, a Rangers fan, love Ali McCoy. Listen to talks for every morning. I think he's absolutely brilliant. But, you know, what he yeah. did in his career, both for Rangers and for, for Scotland, you know, you can't take that away from him, definitely. So, yeah. when you were growing up then, obviously, when did you sort of realise that you had the, the chance to, to be a pro, that you maybe were just a little bit better than your mates? Um, I would probably say it was a really young age. I mean, I was... Um, Kind of, uh, I was in the primary seven school team at primary four type thing. Um, so I had an inkling then that I probably um, I was better than a lot of the 
people without sounding pig-headed, but I was kind of a, I'd a wee inkling then that I was better than the boys that were in my class, maybe a couple of years above me. Um, and I, I, I just lived for football when I was younger. Um, and it's all I wanted to ever do. So I would say if at a really young age, maybe four or five, I would probably say would be the answer to that one. Honestly, picked that up early on. So did you get a chance? I mean, obviously, we know that your first pro club was Alawa. Yep. Did you get a chance to, to do the trials with any of the other teams? We've heard from a few of the other pros that have said, you know, they would train one night with Rangers, one night with Dunfermline, one night with X, Y, or Z. Before you were at Alawa, did you, have to, did you train with anybody else? Well, I was actually S form at Rangers um, when I was 13. I was there, I went here in 1986, um, spent three and a half years there. Um, had a fantastic time. Um, obviously, didn't make it. Uh, got released. Went back and played football with Gerdock. Then Aloha came and signed us. And that was my first break into senior. Um, but yeah, I had a, a really fantastic time at Rangers when I was a young guy. And as I say, some of the players I've mentioned earlier, um, they were all kind of around about the scene then as well. Well, maybe Alan McCoy, you're going Graham Soonis, Terry Butcher, all the kind of guys. So I got to train with them for a couple of weeks um, just before I got released and it was something else. It really was. It was just mind-blowing. Must have been totally bittersweet for you then, obviously. Training and playing with your boyhood team, training and playing with some of your heroes, but then at the back of that, to, to be told that you've not made the grade, for, for lack of a better expression. How did you cope with that? Yeah, I kind of knew it was coming. I kind of, I mean, I, 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 when I was at Rangers, they kind of said to us if they could have handed a contract when I was 14 that they gave me a contract. But I kind of lost my way a wee bit between 15 and 16, um, which is just probably part of growing up, I suppose. Um, you know what happens. You just start getting interested in other things. Um and then I kind of forgot it. But when I got released for Rangers, I kind of forgot myself back together again and then went to Aloha. And I still had hopes of going um, to a higher level. Um, so I had a good first season with Aloha, a really good second season. And I, I never ever got the move that I thought I could have got. Then I kind of realised then it was part time football for me. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. So, I mean, when you were at Alawa then, did none of the other big clubs come sniffing about or bigger clubs come sniffing about and it just wasn't right or Alawa didn't take the, an offer? Or? I honestly couldn't tell you if Alawa had an offer ever. Um, I really don't know on that one. But, I mean, I've got lots of paper clipping saying I was going here, I was going there. Uh, and obviously, I never end up anywhere, um, which is quite, it was quite disappointing. After I got 21 goals my second year, I think I was only 18 at the time. Um, and if you're not going to get a move out of that, then it kind of is it's, it's a struggle. But uh, I, I did hear various things, but I'll never ever know to this day whether Aloha ever had an offer for us or no, because um, nobody's so ever told. You sort of teased that there was a, a, a few clubs and obviously paper talk. Who were the clubs that were rumoured to be interested in? There was Tottenham, there was Southampton. I think there was... A, I don't know if you remember, well, young Paul Sheeran, but I don't know what Paul's doing now, but yeah. Paul, Paul and I were both touted to go to Southampton and Paul got his move and I never got it. Um, and uh, it was mainly clubs down south um, that were kind of a tout, well, it was according to paper, whether it was true or not, I don't know, but nothing ever became it. And um, Paul got his move to Southampton and, and, I, and I never, so that's just football, I suppose. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you got your your move to East Fife, mate. So that was you great. know, you know, Methyl, London. You know, you've got to think about which one he got the better deal. Better Methyl. <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously, your, your first club was Alloway. You were there for six and a half seasons. So yep. how did you get your chance to go to Alloway? Then was it just the spot did you playing for you? Uh, your sort of junior club yeah, I went to I went and played with Gearbrick under 18s after I got released for Rangers I'd kind of say well obviously back in the days you could play with a boys club team be an S form and like play with school teams it's not like it is now so I'd basically left Grahamson at 15s went to Gearbrick and kind of got picked up for Gearbrick because the manager at the time was Hugh McCann and I think he obviously stayed quite close then he must have went to some of the games or a scout, I don't know. And he badgered us and badgers. I, I, I never answered his phone calls for a wee while. Um, then he just kept pestering us and I, I went and signed. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really did. You got any particular moments from your time there that, that sort of stand out for you then? I mean, obviously scoring 21 goals at, at senior <laughs> levels. That was my biggest highlight. Scoring on my debut when I was 17. I came on as a sub up at Montrose and I managed to score um, and then obviously the year I get 21 goals is my my two really highlights with Alloa my two standouts by a mile Is there any particular games or, or, or maybe even like a moment apart from your, your debut goal that you're maybe a bit like you know one that you think about when you're fitting a bathroom or whatever you're like oh I wish I was scoring that goal instead No no I think uh, my first ever hat-trick um, is one that sticks out for me that I'll always remember up at Montrose I managed to get a hat-trick um, and that was sticky obviously my debut goal um, but I mean I used to keep a bookie ever in all my goals and all the rest see now if you ask me I could probably I'd struggle to name I, I used oh, really? to yeah I used to I used to keep track of everything I've done I can't even find a bookie anymore Um and I used to keep track of everything and I could always remember like certain goals and stuff like that. Um, but now it's, I can only remember some goals. Yeah. Uh, I, I can remember more of my East 5 goals because they were more recent than I could. I mean, you're going back to 1990 for that, which is, wasn't it yesterday? Well, I was one, so sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> I did tell you you were one of my first heroes. So I tried to give you an inkling to how old I was, but like, look, let's talk about the good stuff now. So you eventually got your chance to come to East Fife, signing in January nineteen ninety seven. So yeah. how did the how did you find out about East Fife's interest, and, and how did that move come around? It basically came around when I was at Alloa. They brought in a man called Tom Hendry. Um, so Tom was a manager, and Tom was bringing in all these players for like Berwick, and like it brought in a lot of good players that he had had at Berwick and as a new manager does they bring all their new people in um, and they wanted to sign somebody a boy called Mark Walsh who I'm quite friendly with and Tom Hendry came to me and said these fives came in for you I said I don't want to go because I'd been at Alloa six and a half year and he basically said to me well if you don't go you'll never kick another ball for Alloa and this was Oh, I just played a Scottish Cup tie. I think it was against, don't quote me in this, I think it was Gala Ferradine or something. We played them at Alloa and I'd played that day. And Jimmy Bowman was the manager of Fife, um, had came, obviously, at the game. Um, and that was the last ever game I had with Alloa. And after that game, I got told that if I did not go to East Fife, 
because they wanted the money to buy yeah. Mark, obviously. Um, and I, got I can't even remember I got taken off that day. I think I did, and basically slaughtered with the manager. And then Jimmy Bone, actually, when I signed for East Fife, said they actually thought I played really well that day. So it just shows, goes to show you how your face fits with some people, no other people. Um, and then Alo had a boy called Tweet Peter Dwyer. And Peter hadn't told anybody, but he was leaving for Australia at Christmas. So he basically just bombed out. And Tom Hendry apparently then came out and said if the new Peter was going away, he would never let me go, which I found was quite strange because they had told me basically... I'll never kick an arbor for Allo if I don't leave. So that's how it, I transferred to end up at East Fife, um, which I, I actually had a, a great time at East Fife. Honestly, it's probably one of the happiest times ever. Apart from me getting bombed. Apart from I wouldn't count on that, pal. I wouldn't count on that. Hopefully one day when you grow up you could score a goal for East Fife and then that's you could a... tell us how it feels, right? Yeah, you Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do now. <laughs> yes, you do now. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting you hearing you hearing you say that because, like, a lot of the guys that we've spoken to over the the last couple of weeks and months, some some of the tales that we've had of what went on behind the scenes, it's been really eye opening. And I mean, you talk about the paper talk. We've had guys on that were linked by this club or that club, and it seems like East Five, for example, were like, "Well, no, we want more money." and didn't tell the player, and then ended up turning down the deal, and then the other teams went cold on it. So, I mean, that might have happened to you at Aloha, and it just happened to be, oh, we need the money now, and that's when they wanted to move you on. The thing I found strange at Aloha um, was the year I got 21 goals, Hugh McCann left Aloha that year and went and got the assistant manager's job at Hearts with Sandy Clark. Um and I remember the last game we played, we were playing Queen of South down at Palmerston. We won 7-0 um, and I had scored two goals and he took me off with half an hour to go. Now, I thought that was a bit harsh considering you're going for a hat-trick. You're, you're, well, we eventually won the game 7-0. And then I thought, well, if he's gone to hearts, I've just got him 21 goals. I thought, maybe. Mm. And obviously, it's never happened for some reason. I'll never ever find out to this day why. Um, but you might be right in what you said. Maybe I've been, they didn't meet evaluation or they went cold or something. I don't know, but I have never once heard that um, there was a possibility through the club that I could have left for a better or a bigger team. Um, so I'm, I'm totally blind to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, as we talked about, you did end up leaving for a bigger team because you, you came to us. Came to best team. Yeah. I mean, you came to us in the first division. And like, I remember, I'm, I've got about 20 years on Lee, so I, I remember that season very well. That was a tough season. That was like all the excitement of going up under Archibald, soon disintegrated when he went, Jimmy Bone came in. I know you came in January of that year. But that time, we were pretty much already relegated. It's like we were getting hammered week in, week out by a lot of full-time teams as well. That's where it was tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were part-time, obviously, and we were in a league. And I can't remember if Dundee was in, I think St. Johnson. All teams like that who just basically, I, mean, I think we were the only part-time team in the league. Yeah. Or I might be, I don't know if Sterling Albion was in it. I think they were in the league at the time as well. Aye, because they went but, up with us. They they won the league yeah. the year that we went up. Yeah, because I scored on my debut against them. I remember that. Um, 
at the old Bayview. Um, but it really was tough. Um, and the, the fitness, the fitness killers as well. I mean, but a good, I'm not saying with a great team, but we had a decent team, but it wasn't a first division team. It, it was it was so destroying as a fan watching that. I, I just remember being at a game at Dundee, I think it was before you got there, and we got beat 7-0 or 7-1 or something, and you're like, what's the point of even going up when that's what's happening? It really was tough, um, and I, I found the step up going from playing against part-time teams to playing against full-time teams, it was, it was a massive difference. A massive, massive difference. And um, I mean, East Five got relegated again that year, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if we'd have stayed up, it'd have, been, it'd have been a miracle, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think we had one of the lowest ever point total by the end of that season. I mean, did, did, did it ever make you question whether you made the right decision in coming there? No. I mean, basically, as I said earlier on, um, I love my time at East Fife, but I, fo- I feel like I was forced to go. If you know what I mean, I, obviously we're getting told at Alawa that if I don't go, that I'll never kick another ball. Um, and I went to East Fife and I had a great time when I went there, but I just felt, um, as I say, I was forced to go. Uh, when it came out, we felt he got kind of him. Um, my head dreamed about being at Alloa for six and a half years, going to a new club, um, and it was totally different from what I was used to. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it was just it is a big jump to go from playing part time teams to, to full time. And I remember reading your interview in the program where you kind of said that you're the first player though that that we've spoken to in our. 14 shows that we've done so far that has actually, you've played at both Bayviews, you've played at the old one, you've played at the new one, we'll, we'll come to your your place in folklore at the new one, but what is your memories of the old stadium and like, how did you feel when you got the chance to, to play at the shiny new one because I know by that time Bayview was crumbling, at least on the terracing side, I don't know what it was like behind the scenes but it, it had seen better days for sure Definitely, the dressing rooms were horrendous. But I'll tell you, the old Bayview was see for atmosphere was fantastic. I used to like going near Alloa as a player. I used to like going to East Fife, um, and I, I really enjoyed it when I was at East Fife, especially when you're shooting down that slope. It was a lot better than up the slope. Um, but not a lot of happy memories. I scored a few. I scored a few goals there for Alloa, and I managed to score a few for East Fife there as well. Um, but it was time. It was time to move, um, and the new stadium I thought was absolutely fantastic. The facilities for a part-time club, um, but I, I loved it. I totally loved the new stadium, especially yeah. when the wind was blowing. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's even better now. The just the improvements that they've made. But I mean, it, it was it was like night and day because I remember when we got a tour of it before the first game, and we're like, wow, it, it's feels a bit soulless compared to having the, the terracing and being able to stand and being right on everything. But, I mean, you went down in folklore, obviously, at, at the new one, scoring the first ever goal. And, like, no one can ever take that away from you. Where, where, does, where does that rank in, in your career of memories when you look back? That's probably the highlight because, as you say, nobody can ever take that away from you. Um, it wasn't a spectacular goal by any manner of means. I actually think the goalkeeper kicked it and I hit off my bum, I think, and went in, but it still went in. 
Um, but the ironic thing is I shouldn't have been playing that day because um, I was getting cortisone injections for weeks. Oh. Um, my Achilles, I had a bad Achilles injury um, and I'd been taking cortisones and I went out for the water. I was desperate to play in this game because it was a new stadium uh, and I went out to do the warm-up and I came in I said, I can't play, you'll have to give me an injection. So I had to take an injection to play that day um, and that obviously worked. Um, and that got me through for a wee while. My Achilles got better, and then um, obviously the, the, the cortisone injection started not working anymore because I started to get kind of immune to them, um, and it was just a nightmare. But I had to get one to play that day. Um, I just wasn't missing that day for nothing. That's understandable. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the the goal that you scored there, and and you've proclaimed that it came off your bum. One of the questions uh, that one of the fans had asked was, "Which body part do you think it came off?" Because one of them thought it came off your testes and went in. So I'm oh, glad to clear that up. Because <laughs> my bum. That's fine. Look, you could literally say that you scored with your ass at the New Bayview, so you could take that all the way to the bank. So never take away from me. That is history. A goal is a goal. Photo of that somewhere. <laughs> a goal is a goal. But one is the game, so that was enough for me. Absolutely, and us. So we're going to talk about the best goal that you've scored for the Fife, and I'm going to tell you mine. Um, I don't know if you remember us playing against Livingston in the Cup um, when Leishman was the manager. Uh-huh. It was a midweek game. I think it was like a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. At Livingston? Bay- no, it was at Bayview. At Bayview? Yeah, and we we scored through you early on. We went 1-0 up, and I thought, oh, well, you're a dancer. This is it. We're going to do well here. And then I got absolutely stuffed 4-1. But I just remember that, that... That was a Saturday game, I think, Lee. I think... Um, I feel like it was I, a midweek game. Is that the game that we, uh, Johnny Allison, got a really bad injury? Aye, that's the one. Oh, that was a Saturday game, that yeah. one. I can't remember my goal that day. Honestly, I can't remember what the goal was like, but I remember John getting an injury. And I remember going up 1-0. I can't remember scoring, but I knew we could beat 4-1. Uh, we got absolutely hammered. I, could have, uh, I actually played with the young Fifers on the pitch at half-time in that game. Right? Oh, that's you? one of the reasons I remember it. Yeah, but that's how long ago that was. Um, and I remember my mum was there and my granddad was there. And for some reason, I, I thought they'd picked me up from school first, but I could be totally wrong. My memory is probably as bad as yours by the sound of things. Um, but in terms of any other goals that you've scored for East Fife, have you got a favourite one that you, you think about, like, yeah, I'm happy with that? Um, there was a few a few good goals I scored. Uh, one that probably sticks to mind was against Cowden Beath, which will be happy here. Um, yeah, um, I think... I think we get beat 3-2 right enough, but I managed to score two goals. I think the second one was a, a volley. I remember we Dickie Gibb crossing the ball in. I just caught this thing flush and uh, it went in. Um, so I would say that was probably my favourite goal that I scored. Um, but I'd really hate to think about any mere. It was that long ago. I can't remember half the goals I scored any mere. But that one certainly stands out. Was there any team... That not even just while you're at East Fife that you just love to score against. Like just when you're just a bit like, I stick that in you. Basically, there was two teams that I scored more goals against than anybody. It was Forth and Queen of the South. Um, yeah. when I, that was who I scored my most goals against. But when I was playing for East Fife, it was Cowdenbeath. Yeah. End off. 
it was score against Cowden because I used to get some stick off their fans. Really bad stick. But it didn't bother me. Um, so any goal against Cowden Beath was, was up there for me. Well, you don't have to worry about this going out in Cowden Beath because I don't even think they've got electricity yet, mate. So I don't think they're going to be hearing this podcast no, anytime soon. No. <laughs> so here's a, here's, a, here's a little bit of fun trivia for you. Do you remember the Cowden family song? Yep. I'm not singing it, but I can well, remember it. The guy that we're speaking to, Michael, is the guy that wrote the song. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is that yeah. Thinky and their Smelly yeah. or something? Like that? That's the one. Co- co-wrote. <laughs> you always give me the credit. It wasn't just me. But I, I did I did the fanzine, so we had our car- our cartoon strip about it as well. I don't know if you ever saw the fanzine back in the day. Yeah, I used to, I used to read the fanzine. I used to read everyone. Um, and so I've actually probably got some stuff up in the, the loft. I've got a lot of programmes and up in the loft as well. But yeah. I would read anything. Yeah, because I used to drop some off for the players. I never knew if it ever yep. got to the players or yeah, not. Yeah, the players, so I would read their fans. They'd just sit before games and stuff like that. Or whenever they, they would read things, I, some folk obviously would just sit there and read that. Some folk would warm up more than the rest of it. But I yeah, definitely did. I used to read some of the fans. They're quite funny. That's good. <laughs> well, I tell them that. <laughs> I didn't tell them that. That's the last thing he needs to hear. <laughs> Moving on swiftly. Um, so... Obviously, you've got the chance to play for quite a few uh, managers in your time at East Fife. Um, so yeah. Jimmy Bone, Stevie Clark, Davy Clark, Rab Shannon. So was there yeah. aspects of each manager that you liked, didn't like, and which one was your favourite? Right, okay. Um, right, if you're wrong, maybe brutally honest. Brutally honest, Kirk, yeah. Stevie Kirk, best manager I've ever played under. Thought he was a great guy. Um it was fantastic for me. I never had a bit of bother with Stevie. The other three, on the other hand, <laughs> how far we, do you we want? We want you to be honest. We want you to be brutally honest, as honest as you're prepared to be. Right, okay. Jimmy Bone, didn't go home with Jimmy Bone, didn't he? Like, I did, wasn't he real keen on Jimmy Bone. I thought his man management was shocking. Um, he was a bit of bully, um, especially with younger boys. Um Kind of the old school. Uh, didn't I would say? I mean, I liked him as a person. Didn't like him as a manager. Truth be told, Rab Shannon. Well, Rab tried to sell me umpteen times behind my back. Um, kind of had done the dirty on Stevie Kirk, um, which I was a bit peed off about. Um, so I would say, I mean, Rab. He'll maybe never admit it, but. He, I don't know how many times he tried to get me out the door. <laughs> and it never ever happened for some reason. Davy Clark, I didn't play under Davy too long. Um, uh, basically, Davy took over. was the year I left. I can't remember how many games there was to go that season, but I kind of... Uh, David put me in and said to me, listen, we're not going to keep you on this contract anymore. Um, we're going to put you in a page you play because of the cortisone injections I'd been taking. And I wasn't happy to do that. I thought, well, I've put my body in the line for you guys. I, yeah. I just got a normal contract. I'm not asking for more money or anything like that. But I just felt to be told I'd be on a page you play. And that's when I said, I can't do that. And that's when I walked away. Um, and I've since read, and uh, there was a paper, an article came out, the chairman, I can't remember who the chairman was at the time. I think it was Bruce uh, Black. 
I think it was, he had kind of said something that if he'd have knew this was going on, he wouldn't have let me walk away. But, but it was too late because I'd obviously went to Forfar by then. Um, so I didn't want to leave his five. I didn't like the direction they were going and I didn't feel mm. I didn't feel Dave Clark was the right man for the job. Um, I, again, Dave's kind of a old school, I mean, a, a nice fella. Dave uh, had my thoughts so during time, but um, I mean, I met him in Edinburgh maybe last year, I think. I met him and he didn't even recognise me. to go up and tell him where I was. Um, but I had no bones with Dave. I just didn't think he was the man to take his fight forward. Um, so to be told to go into a page you play, I wasn't having that. And that was me. Just because you could walk away from your contract, obviously, I'd ended. Um, and, and that's the reason that I, that I left, basically. I never ever spoke to the chairman or whoever. He never even got involved. I think it was after I'd signed, obviously, at heard, and I think he wasn't very happy as well. So that was kind of it's, yeah. It's a, a bit disappointing, obviously, as a as a fan to hear that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Because obviously you were a, a bit of a, a hero. That the fans scored a lot of goals for us, important goals for us. It's a bit of a shame to hear that it ended on a bit of a sour note. I just want to ask you a question, and yep. we could cut this out if, if you don't want it to be aired, but when you're saying that you felt that Rab Shannon had done the dirty on Stevie Kirk, what happened there? Well, I think if my, mem- I, 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 if my memory serves me correct, I think we were second in the league when Stevie got sacked. I might I be might wrong. Be, no, we were, I think you might be right. We were certainly up there. Yeah, no, I think I think Rab Shannon go brought to the club. But was it Gordon Dow? When Gordon yeah. was Gordon was, the was he chair? He was chairman at the time, wasn't he? Possibly there was Dow. Yeah. I think Dow took over when Danskin was going through all his yeah. weird stuff and legal so I issues. Think basically, Rabs came in, and obviously Gordon Dow has basically, that's where I feel Stevie got shafted, basically. I mean, he was second in the league, um, and for to be sacked for being second in the league, I just think that, that's not right. That's not right. And I basically went and seen Stevie. Um, there was a couple of us, myself, Dickie Gibb, Graham Love, I'd went to meet Stevie on a Thursday night after training, and basically said we were disgusted the way he was the rest of it uh, and we were I thought it was a, for Steve I mean Stevie's a legend at East Fife um, yeah. I just feel for him to be treated like that and then Rob Shannon's came in um, and he's wanted his own men and I, I know for a fact because we're dumping faults that Rob has tried to sell me on numerous occasions numerous occasions um, he just wanted his own players in I mean you know what it's like if somebody doesn't want you to be there you just you didn't feel like you're part of it Whereas the first thing Stevie Kirk says to me when he comes in is you're the kind of guy I'd like about this club and uh, to hear that for somebody you, you know you're wanted and then when obviously Rab took over <laughs> it was just it was just a fight basically it was a fight he just he, he just wasn't want us there that was the bottom line it's just it's interesting to hear that because like we've tried to get Stevie on the show as a legend and he doesn't want to. And we were a bit surprised. And I thought it was, he did get a little bit of abuse from sections of the fans. And I thought that might have been why. But now hearing that, it might just be that that kind of tarnished his impression of 
of what East Fife was like. So, I've um, obviously I've never seen Stevie for well, we left basically apart from that one night that we went to meet him after training, um, and I hadn't even spoken to him. And then, believe it or not, I can't wait to plug this charger in. This phone's going to go. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he was on Facebook, uh, and I, I started having a conversation with him through that. Uh, and I just asked him if he was still involved with football. He says he doesn't even watch football anymore. Doesn't he take no, does no interest in it at all. Oh, wow. That's Which a is shame. quite... That is a shame. Um, so I don't know... Because I thought Stevie had a really had a lot to give. He was a really good manager, a good man manager, and I actually had the pleasure of playing up front him as well um, when he was a player manager. So, and he was probably one. That, uh, I'd love to have played with him in his prime because he was a really good player. Yeah, he was at the club when I first started watching the team. He had come back for his second stint at the club, and I just remember. Just he was such a talent, and then when he got his move to Motherwell, you knew it was going to be coming because he was such a talent. And when we spoke to Davy Clark, which will be in next week's show, we we talked about like guys like Stevie Clark and then Davy as well, because I I I think the game had kind of passed him by a little bit when when he had taken over. He doesn't believe that. He still thought he had a, a lot to offer. I think the tactical side had moved on a little bit. Davey, for me, um, it was so... You're right. You're probably right in what you said. The game had passed him by a wee bit. His time had come. It had gone, sorry. Um, uh, no, I, I, I didn't enjoy working under Davey. It was too intense. Um I mean, I always remember, like, even he was assistant manager to Stevie, he would come in and he would go through every single player after a game um, and say, this and done that, or this and done this. And, like, sometimes he'd come out to me and he'd say, this is how I want the guys to be. I want you to put in the effort like Barry. But it's no nice to hear that in front of all the other players. And I feel that was right wrong at ten. No, it's nice to get praise sometimes, but don't do it in front of everybody when you're basically slaughtering everybody else. Um, and I just felt David, David for me, wasn't what East Five needed at that time. Yeah, he's old school. I yeah. I don't mean that bad. I just didn't feel that that was the the road. And when I went in for my contract talks with David, it just wasn't going anywhere. It was basically didn't. I knew when I went to his office that was the last time I'd been with you. There was no negotiating. There was no nothing. It was basically this is where it is. And I think he expected me just to say right, okay, I'll sign that, and I didn't. And I walked out and I knew it was that was it. Well, you're quite right, because I mean, if if you've like, especially because you were on the the cortisone, if you've got injured playing for the club. The least you can hope for is the club will look after you. That's what they did way, way back with Gavin Murray. He broke his leg with the club. There was insurance issues. He then got the manager's job, which he should never have done. But it's like they looked after the players back then, and it's sad sad to hear that. I mean, I play, I remember that quarters on the... We got relegated that season. Um, I think it was Stevie. Stevie was the manager, and... I'm sure the last... I, I'd been scoring goals, but the last six weeks of that season, I was going on like... I was basically 
ended up in a full bottle of cortisone just to try and play. And I remember the last game, I'm sure we had to beat Clyde to either stay up or Clancy staying up. I'm not really sure on that. And, so. and as I said to Stevie, I remember phoning Stevie Kirk on a Thursday, I said, Stevie, I can't play on Saturday. I said, my, my, my ankle's gone. And he's like, no bother. And then on the Saturday, I went in and I said, listen, I'll, I'll take another injection. And I took the injection I took centre with Ben Honeyman that day. I took centre and I had to come off after two minutes. I had to walk off the park. That was me done. Um, the, the cortisones just weren't working anymore. Um, and then, obviously, I missed the fully pre-season um, the following season. And I came back. I remember we played East Stirling down at East Stirling. And I said to, I remember saying to Steve, I've not been involved in any pre-season or nothing. And he put me on the bench that day. <laughs> I actually came home and scored, believe it or not. Um, and that was me. I kind of forgot to earn my Achilles. And that was the year, I think that, that was, we did go down. Um, or that was the year Steve got the sack, sorry. Um, and I mean, I just felt like I'd missed a full pre-season and it's hard to get your fitness back. Um, but the the club at the end it just it wasn't fun. Rab Shannon came in and uh, I just did not enjoy it under him at all. We didn't I either. I, I mean, I don't oh. know. I, I mean, Lee, did you see much of the Shannon years, or were you still too young? No, I seen a bit of the Shannon. Shannon was probably the first manager, really, of my dad taking me down because mm. obviously I, my, my, I remember obviously Barry playing for us so oh well yeah yeah, so, that, yeah. I, I caught I caught part of the Shannon I, I think I maybe just missed it on um, Stevie Kirk but probably caught the start of um, Shannon and it's a miracle that all these years later I'm still supporting us like I just must be a glutton for punishment no yeah. not at all but, uh, that was hard going. When Stevie left, it was basically doing hell for me for there. That was, that was uh, just a matter of time, really, unfortunately. Well, let's, let's bring you on to uh, maybe a wee bit more of a lighter subject then. So, I mean, you, you shared the, the dressing room down the years where uh, it gave you um, with some big characters. Uh, you got any stories maybe for like nights out or anything funny that you could remember from, from your time there? Any dressing room, not locker room, as Michael would say, over the pond antics? Um, not really. I mean, to be fair, there was a lot of like decent. I've had shared with obviously with Davy Beaton when I first went there. Big Davy was a kind of a, a kind of a leader. We Dicky Gibbs obviously. I used to travel with. Um, you know, Dicky's like. Um, but there was uh, this kind. I felt the dressing room was quite cliquey um, in terms of like you'd maybe get your. Fife boys staying in the Fife circle like with Gilbert Allen and maybe I'd join in that or whatever but the, the rest of it was all there was no maybe Jimmy Bone there was a bit Jimmy Bone was good but a good dressing room with Jimmy Bone obviously you had uh, Arnold Dubrika uh, that's where for your time um, there was boys like that but as it go on whenever um, Stevie Kirk and that came in I just felt like Probably the the biggest character we had here would have been Ray Sharp. Um, 
Sharpie was a bit of a... He used to remember every every Tuesday he'd come in with bags of mobile phones and all the rest of it, so we're all buying all these mobile phones off him and none of them worked anywhere in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> flip over hangs, the Motorola ones, all these things that came out way back in the day. Honestly, if Sharpie could sell you, he would sell you. Um, but other than that, I mean, we, we didn't really do many team nights out um, for, for, for some strange reason. Um, I mean, there was no bad feelings ever in the dress room, Aww. but it was kind of a, it was kind of a clicky. But I wouldn't say I've got any stories that, um, that 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 really stand out to mind. Marco, wait now, son. Um, so basically, uh, no, there's nothing I would say to now that I was that I could think of. Aye, there was nothing. I wouldn't say there was any. There was no real carry on to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. No, it just it was kind of fair. It was a boring dress, to be honest. Well, what about any of the other ones then? Have you ever seen anybody getting knocked out after a game or, or anything like that? Because we've heard any a few stories that? recently. Uh, yeah. any, any scraps? No. Um, in fact, the only one I can remember was basically myself. I remember um, when Jimmy Bowman was a manager um, and I played this formation. It was like 4-5-1. I was up front myself. Playing down at Stranraer that day, and um, I mean, Wally McCulloch was just kicking balls, right? And Wally was one of Jimmy's favourites, right? So Wally's kicking these balls, and I've got three, six feet, four cent and a half round about me, who are just heated in the back, and Jimmy Bones blaming me for it, right? So he gets in at half time, and he starts saying, I go at me, and well, I answered them back. And I thought, fucking, well, sorry, I thought World War Three was about to kick off. Um, so the base of that was a bit. But I've never really seen any fighting or or anything like that. Um, I mean, what used to happen was the boys would go in and they'd maybe say their bit, and basically, I mean, when the manager spoke, he just said, "Right, fair dues, and that's it. If it's his opinion. It couldn't really enter. You're just trying to defend yourself." But, no, there's no scraps. I can certainly can't remember any scraps anyway. No. no. I've got one question I'll ask you then because we had one about the leaving for Forfa and I think we've covered that anyway. Uh-huh. Um, out of all the strips that you wore at the Fife then, which one was your favourite? Um, I, I like the strip that we had when we moved to our new stadium. It was probably yeah. one of my favourite strips. That was a sort of uh, yellow with a black. It was black. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Aye, I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think with a, I can't remember, my memory is there, I think with a blue away strip at one point, which was quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that would have been, that would have been after we moved into the stadium, I think. But certainly the one that we moved in was probably my favourite one, I. And did you keep any of them? I have got some strips up aloft, but I could tell you if I've got any Fife land. Come on, man. Some, yeah. I know. <laughs> well, they weren't allowed to keep their jerseys because basically they got washed and they were ready for the uh, the next game type thing. It's not as if they were just like a new jersey every time you, um, you had a game. So you never squirreled one away at the end of the season, like I'll just stick that in my kit bag. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that because my numbers varied from nine, ten to fourteen. Fourteen years, no needies anyway. Yeah, no, no squad numbers back then. No, it was uh, 
15 was quite a common number for me at one point, but hey-ho. We were going to ask you this at the end, but we'll ask it now, I guess. Did you have any, like, have you kept any memorabilia from your playing days? Like, is there anything that you, you swapped jerseys with somebody? Or, like, did, did you play in the, the game at Ibrox in 97? Had you joined us by that point? Yes, but I was cup-tied because I played in that game with Aloha right. before I left. And that cup-tied me. And I was devastated. I really was devastated that day. Um, I'd played Rangers before with Aloha in 92 um, at Ibrox. But obviously, to, to miss that by playing against Galafieri team was heartbreaking. <laughs> so I never, I basically never got anywhere near the dressing rooms. I, I was sitting in there, we end with the supporters at the time. Ah. So we basically, you didn't get any Ibrox as such. Then Usher ruined it. was basically your cup tied. You, you don't know you can do. That was a bit devastating. Um, I've, I've swapped jerseys when I was at four for a swap jerseys with Arthur Newman when we played Rangers in the Cup. Um, and I've got Graham Soonis' jersey for when I signed at Rangers. Um, oh, wow. He's not back. So I've still got the, they're the two jerseys I've got um, that I'll always keep. I'll never, I'll never get rid of them. It's funny you should say that, Barry, because Arthur Newman was telling me that he's got a framed Barry Moffat strip <laughs> up in enough. his living room. So. Funny enough, I can't believe it, but he never asked me for my jumper. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. In fact, I put that jumper in that game up the stair. I've definitely got that one. Um, but again, hit number 12 in the back, believe it or not. But hey, ho. <laughs> it's always, I always find it amusing at the end of games just to see who tries to swap jerseys. Like, like over here in MLS, Zlatan was playing for a, a couple of seasons. And at the end of all the Galaxy games, you'd just see players like, they knew the final whistle was coming, so they'd be standing really close to him, so that as soon as the final whistle goes, it'd be like, oh, can I just get your jersey and stuff? Do you find that quite strange? Because obviously he's playing at a level that they boys are playing at. Where we, when we were playing, we are playing at a level that's way above us when you're playing like say Rangers or Celtic. I remember playing Celtic in the... Um, the League Cup with Aloha, uh, when Decanio and Hoydonk, Andreas Tom and all that was there, and I'd asked Decanio for his boots and he wouldn't give me them. I mean, I'm a right mate. But I had to ask him. But I can understand it for like a lower league club asking a bigger league, but I didn't get it when it's like players that you're playing in the same league type thing. Um, because it's the same league as you. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're showing a bit too much respect to somebody that's in, in your same level, but I don't know if, if I'm standing next to his lat and I'm asking for his shirt, like definitely no, there's no danger that I'm not. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something even worse than that. So I, I do media stuff out here now. So I cover the white caps and for a lot of it, I go after the game. Like we're allowed to go in the dressing rooms after the game. It's one of the things that you can do at MLS. So I, I like to go to the away dressing rooms, talk to the guys there because you're only seeing them once a year. So the amount of times I'm outside the away dressing room and it might be like Bastian Schweinsteiger was playing with Chicago, Zlatan was with LA and you see all the Whitecaps guys come in with their jerseys to get signed and get stuff signed by these guys and they've just played against them. And as you say, it's a level league and it's like, I'm just like, I understand it. But then it is, you're kind of devaluing yourself. The bars, I think you're devaluing yourself because you're playing against these boys. You've probably had a better game than these boys, but these boys have maybe done it 
on a bigger level than you, but they're, they're now at your level. So, I mean, we had a guy who came to East Fife, Robert Pritz. Robert yeah. Pritz has won the European Cup. I would never ask him for my jersey, for his jersey. You know, when I played in the same team, I would never come off and say, oh, can I get your jersey because you played with Rangers, you've won a European Cup. Well, just that, that's not how it works for me. Yeah, I just always find that weird. Anyway, I've got derailed the interview again. <laughs> I'm good at yeah, doing this. Standard for you, mate. Standard um, for you. <laughs> that's why my interviews usually last so long. I just start to go off in complete tangents. Yeah, uh, what's your favourite biscuit? <laughs> <laughs> We've covered that one, so that's all right. Right, let's get back to some football stuff. So, I mean, you, you talked there earlier that Rob Shannon tried to punt you a few times, but when when you were scoring goals and doing well... Did you know if teams had come in for you? Because every team in the lower leagues wants a proven goal scorer, and you were a proven goal scorer. I think at that time, I would say no, because I was maybe, but I was 26, 20, 25, I think, when I went East Fife. The chances are they gone full time then, especially when my first season was in the first division, um, and we were pasted every week, basically. Uh, so, I would say no. I was probably I'd found my I'd found my level type thing, and I was quite happy to stay and just play at that level. I didn't. I was never going to make it senior at that age. I wouldn't have thought. Um, so I was quite happy just to stay. East Fife was the level I found, and I really enjoyed it there. Up to that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we won't talk too much about Forfar as you mentioned that, but I read. The interview that you did with the East Five programme in 2017 again, just before we spoke to you, and it mentioned that you weren't a big fan of Neil Cooper. No. Was that a similar kind of thing to like what you had with Jimmy Bone and Davy Clark? I just feel like uh, I was I was 29 when I went to Falkirk uh, for for sorry. Um, I was actually thinking about just packing the game in when I left East Five. So I decided that's what I was going to do. And I remember I'd, I'd left East Fife. I hadn't signed for Forfar. And I booked a holiday for Christmas time, which is something you would never really do. I'd done it once with Aloha, but the season was basically shut for the weather anyway. And I went up to Forfar and I started really well up there. And then for some reason, the, Neil Cooper and I just didn't get on. Um, I don't know what turned, I don't know where it turned, I don't know if it was going that holiday, it was peeing him off, I really don't know. Mm. Um, but after that, my life was absolute hell up there, absolute hell. I hated it. I hated every minute he'd gone up there. In fact, I still, I wouldn't go to Forfar. <laughs> if they tell me to go up and go in for nothing, I hated it. Wow. There you go. Is that why you hung your boots up then? Was have you just? I mean, I read in the programme as well, Like you, it said you'd fallen out of love with the game. I mean, Basically because, uh, kind of think Rab Shannon, to be fair, towards the end of my time at East Five, I was kind of starting, when they done what they done with Stevie Kirk, I kind of got scunnered a wee bit then. Um, I didn't enjoy it under Rab. I didn't uh, enjoy it with a wee brief spell I had with Davy Clark. Um, I decided that enough was enough. I mean, Rab Shannon would often come into the dressing room, I've heard you're going to retire and all the rest of it. And I'm like, we used to get all this shit, right? But I, I was, I was ready. I was thinking about it. I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, the travelling. I mean, I was going up here four times a week, and um, it just 
it was it was horrendous. I mean, I, I, I stay about an hour and 15, 20 minutes away from there. So I wasn't getting home at 12 o'clock at night after training. I, I knew I wasn't going to get a game. And then uh, he basically pulled me in after the last game and says to us, um, would you call it, you've got a year left in your contract, but we're, but we're going to free you. And I'm like, fine, because I hate it anyway. Um, and I think Jim Moffat was the manager at East Fife at the time. And I was kind of half hoping that Jim would give us a call, but Jim was quite friendly with Neil Cooper because he had came course, before. yeah. So it never ever happened and that's when I decided that was it. Not one person came for me when I left. Not one. That's surprising. I mean, your record, I mean, we both remember you banging the goals in and it's like, Everyone wants a proven goal scorer. You have to look at a guy like Paul McManus, who, like, he keeps getting contracts because folk know he can score in the lower leagues. And it was maybe just different times, I guess, back then. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's a shame. Did, did you never fancy going into coaching then or doing anything like that? Well, by the time I left, I was at Scunard. I honestly hated football. I hated it. Um, I just I just didn't want to play football anymore. And I actually packed in and it was ten months later, my cousin was a manager of a junior team and he persuaded me I did not want to go to go and play junior and that was the second worst move I've ever done in my life. That's a completely different game, yeah. <laughs> I, I hate I mean the, the the whole the whole setup's different for senior. It's it's no as like senior's quite structured and all the rest of it and Junior's just a rabble, basically. Um, just the organisation wasn't there, and, and I, I stupidly agreed to go. And I, I knew I just I wasn't fit. I hadn't trained for ten months, um, but that's what happens with most people when they go juniors. They just go for the pick up money. It wasn't even money for me because I'd a better offer to go to another junior team. Only went because it was my cousin, but um, I, I, I genuinely did hope that East Fife would have came back in for me when I left forefront and it never happened. And that, to me, that was the final nail. I hadn't heard from anybody for a wee while and I decided, that's it, nobody's going to come now. That's understandable. I mean, have you been back to Bayview much since you left? Do you, do you look for the results? Do you get to any... I games? always look for Fife results. Always look for East Fife Nallower's results. I'll, I'll look for the two of them. Um, and the last time I was at Bayview was I got invited over be uh, you guys to do a half-time draw and it was funny enough it was against Alawa that, that day um, I don't know if that's why they invited me over uh, and I think that was in 2008 I've never been back there since I've always liked to came back over but I mean I don't know anybody over there now um, so well yeah you know Lee you know me as well but I'm not much use because I'm over here but like the, the club listened to this so hopefully like they're listening and they'll they'll get on the the blower to you. It's well, funny because Lee, Liam Anderson. I don't know if you know Liam Anderson. He was a I fan. Know base. Yeah, uh, he's oh. he's on the, he's a director now, and his wife I think was a Barry Moffat fan. Um, and that's a message for, from Liam. He's like, you know, tell tell um, Barry that, that Pauline would want to shout a, out. That's been a standing joke for a while. Yeah. For a so. While. Liam, let's get Barry over for a game next season so he can buy me a pipe. <laughs> that would be a problem. I'd love to come back. I've always been mean. I was going to bring my wee boy over to a game because obviously 
I, I'd like him to see like that side of football as opposed to just going to Ibrox or something. I'd like him to go and see what it's like, what you guys actually do for the club. Um, which for me way out, uh, outweighs anything that the, the bigger clubs do because you guys are hardcore. Um, and I think it's fantastic what you do for, for, for your clubs. I mean, basically, you're only interested in Rangers, Celtic, anything like that. It's your club as East Fife. Um, and I, I'd like my wee lad to see kind of for that side of stuff um, before he goes and does what he's going to do. We've uh, got to watch Rangers or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, nah, it's a community club. No, I mean, Lee, Lee used to be a Rangers fan. He said earlier, I'm not a Rangers fan, but I liked Ali McCoy. He used to be a Rangers fan. He's like down playing it now. But he's, know, he's, but five, he's five through and through. He is. If you, if you cut him, he bleeds black and gold. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd see about that though. <laughs> Maybe I need a cortisone injection to join you boys, but you'll not catch me pissing out Annie Doll anyway, tell you that. So we're going to ask you a question then, obviously you've touched on your son and we've been, it's been nice to actually see him jumping about in the background, although he told us he's not an East Fife fan, we hopefully convinced him down the line. You know, if your son came up to you and said, Dad, I really want to make a serious go of football, I want to play, what would be your advice to him? Um, well, to be fair, he is. He's really into his football now. Um, obviously, I've got a daughter as well. And, I mean, Marco's seven now. And when he was four, uh, obviously, because I played football, my dad um, was football-orientated now as well. I thought I'd just carry on with Marco. So we took him down to Falkirk. And I just didn't see it in him. Um, and I never forced him and he stopped playing for a while. However, in the last year and a bit, he has just totally turned. Um, and he's now Danish football. And, and basically, all I try and say to him is basically listen to what you've been told. Um, he will only listen to me. He'll listen to his coaches. But if I had to take him at the back and ask him to do something, he wouldn't do it. Um, I don't know why. He just will not listen to a thing I say. But I always try and keep him grounded. And I always try and, like, I always try and give him confidence when he's like, if he's trained well, I'll tell him he's done well. Um, but if he's not trained well, I, I won't. I won't dwell on that because I want him to enjoy it. Um, and that's what it's all about to me is enjoying it and just listening um, to what you're being told, basically. Good. Glad. I mean, I was the same. Like the first game of football I ever went to was one that you guys talked about earlier. Was the the, the Rangers versus East Fife game? Um, that was the first game that my dad took me to and. I remember going from that, then Scotland played Sweden at Ibrox uh-huh. um, and we won 1-0. And then after that, I didn't go to a game for years. And then it was down in, like, I got one game at the Old Bayview, then it was, then it was New Bayview. So it was a bit of a culture shock to me. So if we managed to maybe use the Ibrox, maybe prepare them. That Once, I mean, I've been down to Aloha a couple of times. They've had a couple of games. Um, which has been quite good to do um, to go and play in the games and he, he came down with me the last time and he was out in the park and he absolutely loved it he loved it and if he's Fife ever done something like that then I'd, he'd be the first person I'd bring out because um, I think he would absolutely love it out there as well um, as it's fantastic when you get invited back to do these kind of things although it's a bit sad in the legs of folly and day right enough but that's another story <laughs> Well, we've had a, um, a Legends game before. I, I played in one, which I've, I've mentioned in the past. I he wasn't a legend, to do that just now. to point out. 
<laughs> depends who you ask, Michael. <laughs> depends who you ask. Um, but no, like definitely, and I, I hope that whoever is listening to the club do invite you back. Um, it would be great to see you back at Bayview. So we're going to ask you a couple more questions now. I'm going to apologise in advance because I do normally remember to send people this last question in advance and I forgot. Oh, no. Remember there? I know, <laughs> I'm sorry. So with, you said obviously about cow and beef and, and getting some shouts from the crowd, but in all your times in your career, what was the best thing you had shouted at you? The best thing I had shouted at me? The one, one that you've been on the pack and you went, right, that's quite funny, or one that you went, oh, you bastard. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the one the cow and beef ones were the sorest on us um, uh, I actually believe it or not I once had a death threat sent to me at East Fife I got a letter what? a death threat saying the next time I'm through like basically the west I'm going to get shot <laughs> to get the police to come in <laughs> I don't know why I don't know who done it I don't know what the script Rab Shannon was the man at the time uh, it was probably him. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. I got a letter to Bob one day uh, and uh, it was basically a death threat. Um, Jeez. But playing at that level is just, I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't antagonise anybody. I just used to go and play football. Wasn't I didn't really get involved with the away fans. It's not worth it. Um, and then they got a death threat. It was just horrendous. That stunned me, I've got to say. Like, we've heard a lot in this show, but that's like, wow. <laughs> it's not very often this happens, and if you're a friend, family, or staff member of mine, um, yeah, um, totally speechless. Um, <laughs> that, 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 that's probably the worst thing that's happened to me. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that... You know, if, <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't signed to R. Shannon at the end. Uh, but to be fair, he, he probably had a few from his wife fans as well. So probably <laughs> makes it up a little bit somewhere along the lines. Yeah. So this is the question that I was going to ask you. And Michael was going to be most annoyed that I never sent you in advance. But I'll be honest with you, I've had a, a, a busy week. So normally we ask people the best 11 you've played with and the best 11 you've played against. Now, you've already told us your memory is horrendous. So I'll apologise for not giving you time to prepare for that. Um, That's my East Fife 11. Not any, any. Any. And even if you wanted, if you don't want to come up with a full team because we're putting you in the spot, just some of the best players that you've played with throughout your career will do as well. Um, I mean, I would probably say the best goalkeeper I played with was probably Jim Butter at Alloa. Um, a, lot, a lot of my team will be based round about Alloa because Alloa had a good team then East Fife had a really good team but it was before I was there um, I think uh, right back I'd probably have to say Wally Newbiggin um, centre half I'd say Davy Beaton Keith McCulloch mm. um, left back probably Robert Lee um, Midley Park Without doubt for me, it would be Stevie Ramsey, Spider. Spider played the East Fife and Aloha with me. I know. Uh, Hated him at Aloha, loved him at East Fife. Uh, Stevie was a, a great wee guy. Another boy in the Midlay Park, again, um, was an Aloha boy with Stuart Remains. Um, he was a really, really, really hardy guy. Um, Gilbert Alm would probably make it um, on one of my flanks. Um 
Oh God, you're putting me in the spot. I, I couldn't honestly say somebody for right wing and then up front I'd put Marcel and Stevie Kirk. There you go. Oh, that's good fun too, eh? Yeah, good, good fun too. We'll take that. No, and then we'll finish it off then with just a, a handful of the best players you've played against. Now, obviously, you've mentioned a few already, so the likes of the Canio, etc., etc. The best, obviously, um, I would be a Ranger Celtic combined, I would probably say, in terms of I'd go as far as say Gorham would be the goalkeeper. He was in goals that day um, when I played with Alla won 892. Um, Richard Goff, Russo, um, right back would probably have been Gary Stevens, um, left back would probably have been David Robertson or something, the Rangers boy, um, Midley Park would you've got, um, would you call it Decanio? when he was at Celtic um, Andreas Tom was a fantastic player um, God up front would be McCoy and Haley be a mile yeah. um, me. Um, David Cooper left wing played against David Cooper yeah. a couple of times um, Alberts oh. so that would probably yeah. be just a few I mean there was obviously other guys but you've put me right in the spoke for that one <laughs> no that was that to be fair I'll accept full responsibility for that it's, it's been normally I, I even send people the question list in advance but it's oh, just been uh, it's been mental because we had David Clark on Tuesday uh-huh. I've had well actually Mikey's going to give me a shout here because I was meant to prepare all the stuff for your interview and he was doing Danny Clark so yeah um, I've dropped the ball on that one so I'm, <laughs> to accept I'm, my I'm not into all this question like just ask the question I'll give you an answer Disney but I didn't need time to read our things maybe picking a team a day right enough yeah, but uh, I've, no problem I know, because all the folk I speak to here, no one ever gets the questions in advance it's just like all the Scottish guys are like oh I need to see what we can get in advance <laughs> No, I just take you yeah. ask me a question, I'll just give you the answer that I can think of at the time. Thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you, Barry. I've enjoyed chatting to you guys, you know, it's been actually quite good. It's been nice to to get in touch with like obviously you guys are involved with the club and that. I mean I've, it's been a long time for I've spoken to anybody for these five. Um which is quite sad. Um mm-hmm. I just feel like something could be done to maybe keep just keep all the old players maybe together at certain points, maybe get me a game organised or something like that. I'd really like to do something like that. But obviously I know it takes a lot of organisation and all the rest of it. And everybody I've played with knows can be pushing 50 plus. So they're not well, really in games anymore. Like I say, as, as my, my first year at East 5, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. So that was Barry Moffat there, Michael. Um, like I've said already, an absolutely excellent chat. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, again, we seem to be booking guests that, that seem to speak so highly of the club. And I don't know about you, but it warms my wee heart to hear that. It, it does. And I mean, first thing, let, let's just say this. The way that Barry was forced to leave the club, that was really sad to hear. And the East Fife back then to the East Fife now 
completely two different animals. We're a community club. We feel more that it's a family. It was very different in that time. Like Even the whole time that Barry was at the club, we were on a downward spiral. We were getting hammered when he came here in the first division. We never recovered from that. The results were shocking. Rob Shannon was a terrible manager. We were going through all the off-the-pitch the stuff with Danskin and the club were having financial difficulties. And it was a horrible period. So, I mean, he performed so well. He gave, basically put his body on the line, getting cortisone injections. And we reward him by offering him just a, a pay-to-play. Which, from a financial business point of view, I get that. It's like football is a business, like it or not, football is a business. Back then, I don't know that it was looked at as much nowadays, yeah. But back then, you would hope that a club like East Fife would have looked after one of their own that had given so much and still had a lot left in him. And it's just disappointing to hear the way that he had to leave in the end. Yeah, but do you want to know what? I, I don't want to dwell on, on the the negative part of the interview because there was so much positive to it. You know, yes. getting to meet his little kid, Marco, jumping about yeah. over the place. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure yeah, that'll be impossible to edit out. So I'm just going to leave it Yeah, definitely. If, if you're getting a, a chance to listen to this, Marco, then hello. Um, it was great fun to meet you as well. And yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed that. And, and hopefully, you know, like we've said in the show, to the likes of Liam Anderson, Steve Mill, these guys that listen to the, the show week in, week out. And I think that Jim Stevenson listens to, let's get Barry through. You know, he's, he's, he's openly said there that he would love an invite to come back. And I know that he's one that the fans would like to see. Absolutely. He was such a good goal scorer on such a shitty team. That's the thing. It's, I mean, we had a couple of standout guys while he was here, but if, if he had better people around him, that team could have been so much better. But just listening to him, chatting away, sometimes the interviews that you think, oh, there's maybe not going to be tons to talk to him about, have turned out to be some of the best interviews that we've done so far, I feel. Yeah, definitely. I mean, can you imagine how many goals a player like Barry would score on the team just now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, literally, you know, if, if Barry Moffat was in the the Jim Moffat team or if Barry Moffat was in the Dave Bakey team or um, or even Gary Naismith's team or the team that we've got now his goal tally would be doubled I have no no doubts about saying that and that's one that I won't sit in the fence with the guy was clinical um, and you know he, he was a player that when I was playing with my, my friends you know I would if I scored the goal you'd shout Barry Moffat and I know that um, Scott Young said the exact same thing as well you know he was, he was, he was the first player that, you know along with Paul McManus I would say I really thought, you know, I really like him. So, I, I, again, you know, I've, in fact, my phone's just vibrated there and Barry saying how much he enjoyed it. We enjoyed it too. And thank you so much, Steve, for coming on, Barry. Absolutely. And I think, like, Pauline, you were talking about there, she screamed Barry Muffet's name a few times as well, apparently. <laughs> but. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Liam. I'm, I'd just like to say that I'm taking no part in that comment whatsoever. I'm only saying what you'd asked me to do, which was to call it out. Anything else that's been said is, um, yeah, not the thoughts of glory days of gold, but only that of me coming probably Pauline as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're talking like, can you imagine if he'd stayed, he would have been in a team with Stevie Ferguson and Paul McManus. What a front three that would be even if he was coming off the bench like ah oh, yeah 
But anyway, it was an absolute pleasure to to chat with him. And we talk about this in the David Clark interview that you'll hear next week. But there's a certain there's certain times of East Fife's history that just aren't documented because obviously no internet, no interviews. We did a couple of written interviews with the fanzine, but not tons. And it's like that that era that Barry was at the club, it's an era that isn't documented. And it's great to hear just him talking about it, some of the stories, some of the guys and the characters. And we hope to get more of the older guys that can kind of talk about the stuff that we've maybe never heard before. And if anyone's got contacts for anyone that played for the East Fife in the 80s and the 90s, we're getting a few more contacts for various guys, but... Get in touch with us at Glory Days of Gold on Twitter or Glory Days of Gold at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. We want to certainly touch more on some of these older guys. No, definitely. Um, Michael's always talking about touching older guys, so I'm sure that is, is something that a lot of you guys would like to see. It's a you hobby. Know, we have. <laughs> Or a pastime. Um, but yeah, look, we have had um, tried to do our best in, in bringing you some of the older generation. Willie Brown, David Clark, Barry Moffat, probably getting into that sort of territory too. But look, if, yeah, absolutely. Anybody you want to hear, let us know. But speaking about letting us know, or speaking about who do you know, it's time for this week's Who Are You? start off this week with um, last week's answer wasn't many people got this and for once the the google master himself scott didn't have the answer i had to tell him it but it was of course rab shannon beloved manager and former player of east fife we thought we would um, throw him in there and one that was even spoken about really yeah it was spoken about by barry moffat too so we're going to move on and we'll give you this week's questions So we'll start off, as always, with date of birth. So this player was born on the 4th of June, 1980. He started his career at Berwick Rangers, playing 192 times and scoring 35 goals. Then played for a few other teams, including Brecon, the Dirty Rovers and Alloa. Before moving to East Fife in 2011 to 2013. He then moved to Arbroath and Stirling Albion before a, spit, a stint in the juniors and currently playing at Berwick Rangers. So, who am I? That was this week's Who Are You? Um, be interesting to hear what your thoughts on that. But here's some more thoughts from our Glenmouthist man. And he talks to us about his love, his passion, and his life. Just kidding. Let's find out if Stevie Campbell fancies a chocolate digestive. If you're sitting at home and you decide to have a, a hot beverage, what would be your hot beverage of choice? Would it be a tea, a coffee, or something else? To be fair, we love a, me and my missus love a cup of tea. Love a cup of tea. And do you have a sweet tooth? Coffee at school to keep me awake, because it's a long day with the kids, but tea at home and a sweet tooth, yes, I love, love chocolate. 
love what, chocolate. What would be your your biscuit or chocolate a choice to have with your your cup of tea or coffee then? Um, I used to like. I don't eat so many biscuits nowadays. It's more like a, a bit of chocolate. But if it was to be a biscuit, it would be a rich tea biscuit. Ah, the blandest biscuit. <laughs> See when you dip them in, man, they're class. As Kevin Bridges would say, it was it's like a kind of one dunker. You know, you dunk it in and it falls in, but. And um, the other ones are a bit stubbed there, but ah, rich tea. Rich tea. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? That was Stevie Campbell there. Enjoys a little biscuit occasionally, but let's be honest, the, the guy's a complete Adonis and keeps himself in pretty much uh, good shape. And as he said in his interview um, previously, he's essentially Dubai's Joe Wicks. Some might say Joe Pricks, but I wouldn't say that, Stevie. We still love you. Um, Harsh. We're go... <laughs> you should take that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stevie would laugh, I know that. Um, we've had a few um, more tweets and mentions about away days. So we got one through from Stevie Gill. So Stevie, son of Michael Stevie, is also a referee. Um, and he's told me that he's going to be doing the, the big boy leagues as a, a linesman coming up. So good luck in your first season in the senior Stevie. So his away day was me and my dad drove up to the Aberdeen game in the cup and, and going up was saying that we just hope for a good performance and we keep it to two or three, not wanting to hammer in. And when we went 1-0 up, I couldn't believe it. But the best is yet to come. When, an Aberde- when Aberdeen went 2-1 up, some small fat guy started shouting at me and giving me the finger shouting, get it up, yeah. I only just had to laugh and say you had to come from behind when you shouldn't, uh, you're, beating a, you're not even beating a team that's bottom of the second division. Then when Stone made us go 3-2 up with a great goal, the first thing I did was run to the fence when that boy was standing and I was going mental at him and my dad and a shoot had to get me back. I was like, you can take it out, but you can't dish it back. So that was up there in his favourite memories of being an East Fife fan with the title wins and promotions. We want more of these away day memories. And I mean, there's been some crackers over the years. I've talked about this one before on the show when we were going to Stranraer and you have to leave really early, obviously, on the bus to go to Stranraer and the game got called off about 11.30 and, I mean, we'd got, we'd got past Glasgow by that point. I think we are just outside Kilmarnock area or something like that when word got through that the game was off. So we all piled through to watch Wraith Rovers play Partick Thistle at Fir Hill and we had to get a police escort behind the goal because both sets of supporters wanted to kick our heads in mainly because we'd gone in the thistle end and we'd stayed quiet and hid our scars for the first 10 minutes just to kind of blend in, singing all the thistle songs, let them get all the early thing out of the system, then it died down, and then we just started all our East Fife songs at the segregation fence. And the thistle fans wanted us out of there, the Rovers fans were trying to get to us, then the stewards and the police moved in, and we, we were all isolated with police around us behind one of the goals. And then we had to get an escort to our bus to get home. It was superb. Rovers won that day, though, if I remember right. So they had the last laugh. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think. 
it's sort of a away day memories. One of my last big away days that I went on um, was that shocking game up at Elgin with Callum Antel incident, <laughs> uh, which I'll not mention again. It's been mentioned enough. But I think I, I went with Isla English and the rest of the burger crew. We got the train up. And I think Isla and I had our first drink at 10 o'clock in the morning. Train up to Elgin, absolutely hammered. Like, I remember going into the ground and they've got a bookies inside the ground at Borough Briggs. And I think Isla and I stuck about 30 quid on Paul McManus to score in three nil East Five. So that <laughs> went to the fan after about five minutes. Um, and yeah, we ended up leaving the game early and just went to the pub because we were getting absolutely hammered. And my wife picked us up and I fell asleep in the car home. It was that bad. I don't know who quite to blame for this. I'll blame Isla, actually. She's young and impressionable and she led me astray. But I think on that, that was in the game that we, we were coming back and we're in Asda and there was like a group of like youngish girls, like maybe 19, 20, um, sitting on the, like the booth next to us. And I'd bought a big tray of shots and they were going to Inverness for a night out. So on the train between Elgin and Inverness, I think it was, I was just plying these girls with shots and we were all drinking them. It was an absolute shambles coming back. Um, and that's probably why I've not been allowed out again since, to be honest. Brave in this day and age of admitting to plying young girls with alcohol, but oh, y- you do you. <laughs> like I say, I only offered them a shot. They decided to do them and what they did with that afterwards was a prerogative. I ensured they were of legal age. Yeah, I, I've just had flashbacks of a bus trip I think it was also home from Stranraer. This was actually a game that we were at, Stranraer. And I've got this on video as part of our fan cam. I need to dig these videos out and get them put off VHS onto some kind of thing on YouTube. But yeah, we'd passed. The bus was stopped and then these pretty girls went by. And yeah, the stuff that happened, you probably would not get away with this these days without a visit from the local polis. Oh, I've actually just had another memory. I can't remember where we were. And Ian Matthew, if you're listening to this, you might be able to tell me where it was. For those of you who don't know Ian Matthew, an absolute legend of a guy, swam in the Paralympics for, uh, for Britain. Often just legless. All round. Often legless, yeah. Um, in both senses of that word. But I can't remember where we were. And somebody had dared him that if East Fife scored, that he had to take his prosthetic leg off and wave it in the air. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that we did a bit of a Mexican wave. And at the end, he hung up and was like, oh, his leg got lifted over at the end. <laughs> yeah, there's just, there's been so many good away days sporting East Fife. It's, it, a lot of these stories might be you have to be there, and I'm sorry yeah. if they are, but there's so, so many memories of them that were brilliant. So I've got one more story to tell, and it's an older one, and it's from our good friend Alan Kirk out in Texas, and it's about an away day at Cowdenbeath. Sentinel Park, everyone knows what it's like. It's possibly one of the worst grounds in in Scotland. It's one of the worst grounds in Scotland. And this was possibly the worst or best kind of scrap at a football game. Everyone was there in his crew. There was Alan... We talked about these guys in last week's show, Willie, Willie's brother, we Stevie, Big Stevie, Big Stevie's pal, we Drew, and the infamous chink that we keep talking about. And then some Cowden mank and a bunch of his drunk, unwashed friends, his sister might have been there as well, who knows, it was that kind of party, they were shouting abuse at Big Ste- Stevie for some reason as they were heading towards the exit just before the final whistle. He remembers Big Stevie telling him, fuck off, just as chink ran across 
punched the guy in the face, and then all hell broke loose. Uh, it was a decent scrap, he said. No one was too badly hurt or injured. And Willie's brother and Big Steve were big lads, so it was okay. So we were talking about football violence there, and of course, we don't want to condone football violence. I might want to condone football violence in certain circumstances, but well, it brings us nicely to, to this week's wavelength and the start of our special this month, Lee. It's Football Violence Awareness Month. I've been looking forward to this. I could I'm literally... still waiting for my badge. Yeah, I'll, I'm working on that. It... I've got enough songs that Football Violence Awareness Month could be every week for, for a year, really, because I have a lot of songs about football violence. It turns out a lot of football hooligans are also in bands, especially punk bands, and especially punk bands that support West Ham for some reason. It just seems to be a notorious thing. But we're, we're going to kick off Football Violence Awareness Month. I was originally going to kick it off with a song by a Scottish band, but I'm going to save that for next week's show. Um, I've got a t-shirt that goes with the song, but the, the cover of this band's single is about Brockville, Falkirk, and because we've got David Clark in next week's show, it kind of fits in for that. So this week, I went through all the songs that I could kick the, the section off with. And some of them were quite violent. Some of them might be classed as unlistenable to people that like Lee's kind of bedroom X-Factor kind of musical singer-songwriter tastes. So I've gone instead for a a single from 2008. It's by an English punk band called The Oppressed. And this is simply called Football Violence. Oh, 
So obviously a press there, football violence. I'm pretty sure Lee's going to hate this. I'm pretty sure Lee's going to hate every single song I play this month in the section. But let us know if you like it. And yeah, you'll notice our choices of songs are markably different. Lee's going for the songs that people like. I'm trying to just get folk to turn the podcast off early, I think, and, and hit our analytics. Sorry, mate. I'll be honest with you. I didn't actually manage to listen to it there because it was a way putting my Stone Island on. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just pretty much sleep in that for the next week. I'm just going to essentially be Phil Charletta, whose um, advertisement for the sesh just seems to be him cutting about with Stone Island uh, top going, oh, get the badge in. Oh, let me know. Look, I'm a football casual. Look oh, how much money in. I've got. I've, I've bought this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a £300 jump on. Get the badge in. So, yeah, Phil, come on. Who are you trying to kids? You're Primark written all over you, lads. Stop, stop trying to be something that you're not. But anyway, all joking aside, yeah. um, well, I mean, if, if I'm we're going to talk, looking forward to listening to that. No, no. <laughs> so we're now on to the final part of our show this week, and I know that this is one that you've all been waiting for. Part two of the rap battle. You know, there's there's been a little bit of Jay Z versus Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Who cares about them? You've got the Fresh Prince when they hear here. Um, so it'll be interesting. I wondered to if you'd hear. pick up on me saying that. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It gave me a chuckle. So we're going to come on to that just shortly. I, I wanted an extra week to work in this. I've got some beats laid down. Yeah, so obviously there was a, probably a mixed reaction to the, the, the from the Fresh Prince and they here. Um, a lot of people absolutely loving my lyrics, not so much the delivery. And when I put the vote out, unfortunately, it didn't go in my favour. It literally said, stick to the podcast and mate. So uh, it was a 65 to 35% split. So it wasn't even close. So yeah, I'll be interested to see what you hear about Mike's version. Oh, well, that's just like heaped the absolute pressure on me now because I'm not sure folks going to like this one. Your lyrics, I thought, were excellent. My lyrics probably aren't even as good as yours, but it's going to be all about the delivery. So I've got Anabolic Beats laying down a backbeat for this because I kind of wanted to go a bit more professional. So I'm just hopefully, I'm going to try this as we do the live recording and see if I can play this beat and hopefully it'll get picked up on the mic. It's mainly just to keep me right. So I'm going to start it off now and then... Hold on, Michael, hold on. You're not getting to record this separately because (laughs) I didn't get the chance to do that and I didn't get the chance to add any music dubbed over it or any of this shit. You had every chance to add music. You could have added music. I've not got the technical know-how to do so and I feel like you're using your, your tech knowledge to try and one-up me here. So I kind of feel like your backbeat should be chinned and you've got to go a cappella like this guy did. But I'm not going to remember the fucking tune if I do that. Let, let's try it with the backbeat. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I did my own... I, I actually I recorded my own beatbox version of this and I didn't think it was good, so I wanted to get an actual backbeat. But the backbeat's not going to be very loud, so it's mostly going to be me. It's just to keep me in time. 
So let, let's let's see how it goes. And I, okay, I won't re-record this. Whatever, whatever this is, this is what it's going to be. So this is my East Fife wrap. Black and gold. Black and gold. We are the black and gold. We come from Methyl Fife. We are a team that once you're in, then you are in for life. We were formed. In 1903, three league cups, one Scottish cup, we've got average history. Scotty Simon, Davy Clark, legends down at Bayview Park, Maurice Stewart, Duncan Two, they're all heroes down the view. Adams, Finley, Cannonball, he's five legends, one and all. Duker, Duran, Philip Weir, names that we still all revere. Black and gold. Black and gold, modern times have been much rougher, winning trophies proved much tougher, coaches came and took us down, till Bakey Naismith won the crown, now we're led by Darren Young, seeing off the rover scum, silky soccer being bold, oh hell the mighty black and gold. Black and gold. And that is my rap. That was a lot more aggressive than mine, you know, I, I went for the family <laughs> route, being a, being, a, being a community club, Michael, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, I wanted a rap not to scare children and families. However, I also just realised that I probably should have turned down my mic volume for this. I possibly have blown the volume levels because I find myself aggressively yelling into it. It wasn't as aggressive when I wrote it. It just seemed to come out. Well, I'm going to give you some kudos for that because you want know what? I, I would pay 79 pence on iTunes to never have to listen to that again. All <laughs> um, <laughs> joking aside, that, that was actually pretty good. Um, I don't think that um, your your Fred Manhattan the Goer's got anything to worry about in the in the near future, but not let us know what you think. That was MC McCall with Black and Gold, available to purchase absolutely nowhere, but available to listen to only on this podcast. So we're going to move on, but again, a huge well done to Mike, because I'm actually quite impressed. Finally, we are on to our mailbag. So it's been a great, great show once more. There was some excellent feedback on last week's show from God himself. Um, did you get anything in the mailbag from it, Mike? Actually, no. Um, didn't Glenn Walker sent his usual email just saying how good it was and how bad your musical taste is. But apart from that, no... I didn't actually get a ton of feedback on it. Well, I'll be honest with you, I did. Um, well, that's good. Like, well, you, you're always checking the socials. You... I keep getting messages through and I'm like, ah, oh, Leo did that, and I just swiped them off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, a few of the things that came through in the mailbag, you know, I was quite glad to see that some of the younger generation enjoyed the interview as much as we did. Um, so that was great to see. Um, I think that the overriding feeling was that it was good so thanks to our friend Tony Charletta uh, podcast getting better and better uh, Willie Brown's interview was exceptional really enjoyed that molto bravo so I'm, I've done my best in Italian for you there Tony so I hope you appreciated that um, another one from again a guy that seems to get mentioned week in week out uh, Scott Young so another top glory days of gold episode um, so thanks very much for that um, we also had some come through from 
Glenn Walker after we announced the Dave Clark show said that if a statue was ever to be built outside the ground it should be a Dave Clark um, I think that certainly David deserves a, a shout for that and to be honest I, I, I don't know how much these things cost I certainly think it's enough but I, I had a thought after it I mean I know that we rename our stadium obviously and we sell the sponsorship of the stadium but why would we not go down the sort of route of like the Manchester United to this world and rename our stand. And I mean, if we were going to rename our stand, surely the, the Davy Clark stand would have to get a shout. Yeah, just as you were talking there, I was wondering about that. And then didn't we rename the stand? Because I know we've got the we've got the Jake Fleming Lounge. I'm pretty sure there's something named after Jimmy Bonthrone, but I might be wrong there. There is something named after Jimmy Bonthrone, but I can't remember what it is. But yeah, I mean, I think that certainly if we're having that conversation, the Dave Clark stand would be something, in my opinion, would be something certainly befitting of his status. Um, And yeah, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on that. As always, you could give us a little shout if um, you agree or disagree or whatever but like yeah I mean I know down the line that we've, we've we've always named our stadium after a sponsor but you know even if it was the the Dave Clark stand at Bayview Stadium because the stadium really sort of captures everything doesn't it rather than just the stand itself but yeah let us know I, I don't think the Dave Clark car park would have the same ring to it but certainly the the, the Dave Clark stand would probably be a, a nice touch and, and a fitting a tribute to, to the man himself. I'm totally fine if we want to try and raise money for the Gavin Murray or Rab Shannon toilet. Because <laughs> oh, our, no. our, hope, our, uh, our, our hopes under them, they went down the shitter. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Or do we have the, the J Smart stinky finger gate? Oh, <laughs> that could be an interesting one too. Some, something that was a big discussion over here uh, during all lockdown and stuff, everyone was coming up with their Mount Rushmore for various teams. So obviously you've got four presidents on Mount Rushmore. So if you are picking if you're picking four East Five people for a Mount Rushmore, let us know who it would be. We could have a managerial Mount Rushmore, a player Mount Rushmore, or we could just have a combined. If you're having a combined, Dave Clark's obviously right in there. Scott Simon as well, I think would be another one that would be on the Mount Rushmore. So who else would you fill that in with? That's an interesting one. Um, I would like more time to think about mine. But we could we could again, get it built in the hill, the Lomond Hills. We could get it like built in and see. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe um, we'd see if we've got any money that's got the the capability to do that, or even somebody that could Photoshop it. And who knows what? Um, yeah, I, I think that the first shout for me would have to be Gary Naismith. I think if if well, see if we were doing managerial, your four would be Clark Simon. Naismith and Bakey because that's that's the four most most successful managers okay so let's not do managers let's do what four players then would you have on an East Five Mount Rushmore because I think the the managerial one would probably also I don't know if Bakey would make it and Naismith would make it if you did a combined one because folk might pick some of the other players but let's just have them as our managerial what four players would you put on an East Five Mount Rushmore I'm going to think of that. Mm, I will too, because I've just thought of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let us know. On top of that, yeah, definitely, definitely let us know that one. We are still going to be putting together our um, all-time 11s um, before the, the, the podcast. I've, I've got a list of names that I just need to put into a, 
into a tweet for our poll. Hopefully, if Michael's got some time today, maybe he could do that because I've been completely flat out. I've, I've been working for the last seven days in a row. So Let me write a note of this because I'll not remember. So okay. we'll hopefully have our poll out by this time on Sunday and we'll know who our left-back is going to be accompanying Gordon Marshall in the goal. Apart from that, that's pretty much us from, from this week. There's not been too much else in the mailbag. Anything you've got to add, Michael? No, I think we've pretty much covered everything. It's been a longer show than I thought we were going to do. As per usual? Yeah. So, Michael, where can the listeners find you online? Find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada and AFTN website. Check out both my sites for East Five Stuff, AFTN.co.uk and for North American MLS coverage, AFTN.ca. Also, just one last shout out to our sponsor for this episode, John Scott Neal. Thanks again for all the support and thanks again for sponsoring this episode and the next one as well. Very much appreciated, John. You can find me on all the usual places. You can find me on Twitter at LeeG1903. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Spotify by searching Glory Days of Gold. Apart from that, though, that's us all wrapped up and ready to go. You're not going to have my dulcet tones next week, as I've mentioned, as I'm on holiday, but we hope you enjoy our featured interview with Davy Clark. But I think that it's safe to say now that we could we don't have to say the whole stay safe, control the virus, stay alert, but don't stay alert, go to work, but don't go to work. So I need to think of a new way to round this off. But for this week, stay safe and Monday Fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.